Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of the 6am Run Podcast. I am your host, Mark Paisant. Always a pleasure to have you a part of this show. We have a good one for you today, but before we get into our conversation with Annie Delray, this show is brought to you by 6am Run, 6amrun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So... We have Annie Del Rey. As I said, that is D-E-L-R-E. If you are looking for her online, a lot of stuff we're going to talk about with her as a certified health and wellness coach. Please make sure you pay attention. But as not, if you don't, like it's a podcast, just restart it. I don't want to put that much pressure on you. Annie, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our audience? Sure. My name is Annie Del Rey, as you mentioned certified health and wellness coach. I've been in the mental health field for about 12 years now. I, if you can't tell by my voice, I love what I do. I I really, I found my calling in life, which is why I help clients do that as well. And I'm a Jersey girl that now lives in California. And I think that says a lot right there. It, it does say a lot. And you say you've been doing it for 12 years. I assume you started when you were nine because you have one of the youngest faces like, I've ever seen. Um, and for people who have who aren't watching online or, or, or just hear the audio, she does have a very like you look extremely young. And I don't know if that's a compliment or if I already stepped outside my boundaries. But I apologize. <laughs> but I wanted to said 12 years like, oh, my God, that's, that's great. Now, when I say I've done stuff for like 10 years, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Um, so. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, don't you don't have to say anything to that. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, so I like to at, start these conversations because you mentioned already that you really like what you do. You're energetic about what you do. It gives you a lot of comfort. It makes you happy. Things like that. What puts you into this space? Like, were you that type of child that always thought about others? Like, what puts you into this wellness space? Growing up, I was a little both. So one sweetest girl would take the shirt off my back, love everyone, comforting, motherly. Then the other side was a little bit of mean girl. Just not nice, not nice. But not um, picking on the quote unquote nerds. Like I was mean to other mean girls. It's not appropriate. It's not nice, um, but it's the truth. And also growing up in a dysfunctional family, I got really interested in psychology so by the time I was 18, I started studying in high school. But then when I was 18, I formally started studying it. And I was like, why are people the way they are? Why do parents act like this? How does it affect children? Oh, I was just so curious. 
And I think that started my journey. Just why is it like this? And then learning and um, yeah, that's a long answer and fumbling around. <laughs> no, it's it's fine with me because I, I kind of was the same way as um, I, I hope looking back, I wasn't the mean person, but I'm sure I had some some days like that but i also very interested in i I was a social major and a psych minor so you were a psych major um and i always thought it was funny how the differences in the two like one was literally how you know the one person reacts and the other is like how society as a whole or how a group of people react and i never thought like i never really like figured that out until i got to college and had those you know, 101 courses of social psych and, and it really opened me up to a lot of things. Once you started taking those courses, like did that like further your like just appetite for that type of education? Were like, were you just gung ho into it? Like once you took that first psychology course, you're like, oh yeah, this is this. Oh is- yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was studying personalities, emotional intelligence, um, That's also, though, when I figured out I didn't want to do therapy and I wanted to do coaching. But in the beginning, all in in the psychology world, all they really talked about was therapy. Coaching was still pretty new. So once I learned coaching, like, was a thing or was a study, I really started looking into that, like motivational interviewing. But in the beginning, I was all about the diagnoses. And then... I'm sure you did this too while taking psych classes. You start diagnosing everyone in your head. <laughs> like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Or think you have a budge. Like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I obviously have ADHD because I fit two things in the like 10 of criteria. <laughs> the, the, the worst thing that happened to, uh, two worst things that happened to psych and social majors is the DSM and <laughs> like those two things. It's like, all right, I got this. I got. I know exactly <laughs> what I have or you have. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we're not going to talk about the DSM. I look it up if you want to know what that is. But um, so the thing I like about you getting into coaching is that, it, of course, it it correlates great to runners. It correlates great to people looking to build three things that you help with. Of course, that is you know coaching. I mean, excuse me, coaching. Of course, coach. It is confident confidence. You know, of course, it is like managing stress and just, you know, anxiety, those three things, which are which are things that, let's be honest, everyone should at some point focus on. If not, if you're not being intentional every day, like those are three things that we all can can have help with. And and one of the things I want to start with is, is confidence, because I think there is this at least for me when I was younger, like you would see somebody in that quote unquote, you know, that a type, that alpha male, that whatever, or the, the, the mean, like we have different words for different genders that we, what we use, but you would look at them and be like, Oh, that person is so confident. They're so confident. When in fact, in fact, we know now why well, I say we people my age usually know now that, they're probably hiding something. They're probably, that confidence really isn't there. They're masking something. So in this work that you do with helping people find their confidence, are you usually dealing with people that that feel that that they have to exude this outward look, this put on this, this mask, put on this face to exude confidence? 
or are you trying to show them that they can be confident just in their own skin within their own scope of of life, basically? Yeah, definitely the latter. Mm -hmm. Just what does confidence mean to you? And a lot of them, since I work with uh, people in professional fields, is I want to speak up in meetings. I want to be the person that can ask questions in meetings. So sometimes it's public speaking, but sometimes it's literally in a group of three people, Um, especially if let's say these are women in male dominant fields. Um, But even, even men or the feeling of imposter syndrome or Annie, now I'm a manager. I can't be the one asking questions, but then changing it around. But if you don't ask questions, neither will the people that you supervise. Do you see this? It's actually leadership showing these vulnerable spots. So, um, I do think the the phrase of fake it till you make it has its limits. Um, Because if you're looking quote unquote perfect all the time, that means no one else wants to mess up in front of you. And that's not exactly what we're here for. You you must have been in my head because that literally was going to be my follow up <laughs> question about fake it till you make it. Um, yeah. Because I am, um, I'm not really a proponent on fake it till you make it to the extent where some people are like, oh, you know, show that you have, you know, good taste and a lot of money and you know what you're doing. Like show that, and it's like you don't have any of that stuff. And it's like people are going to get the wrong impression about you and 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 think certain things that don't need to be thought. But however, to the point you just made about speaking up in meetings or speaking up when you usually don't, like that does take a sense of someone being like, you know what? I I usually don't do this, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it now. And in those cases, the more we do that, the easier it becomes. So how, how do you get somebody to take that first step though? Like you're just, you're just is, I'm not saying just in a way that like that's demeaning, but you're just the coach. You can't do it for them. So how do you get them to take that first step? I do the same thing you do it or that you just mentioned the idea of any step is a step. So, um, start small. And a lot of times what I say is just a simple mindset shift of let's not call it a goal. Let's, let's not call it that. Let's call it an experiment. Experiments are fun. And I don't want to say who cares the, who cares about the outcome, but the outcome isn't to achieve something or mark it off on your to-do list. It is, let's have fun with it. Let's just see how this goes. Let's do some AB testing. Um, and I think people, well, I mean, I know cause they tell me that brings a lot of relief or start small. Okay, um, a lot of my people are introverts. So that's another thing. And I don't want to, I don't want you to stop being an introvert. No, let's, if that's how you identify, let's go with it. Let's start with you're in the line at a coffee store, make eye contact with someone, look up from your phone, make eye contact. Okay, you don't think that's too hard? Smile. Smile at the person. Okay, you did good with that. Turn and start a conversation with the person behind you. You don't have to talk about anything crazy. Just, wow, this is a long line. Or, did you see the rain out there? Like, small talk is fine, especially if you're not comfortable. You don't have to ask about their kids. You don't have to ask 
where they work, you know? Um, but these little, little things can make all the difference to people who normally would never even consider it. There, there is an introvert listening right now that's like, you want me to do what? You want me to talk to a stranger? Like, I have this phone for a reason. Like, stop doing that. But, um, and since we're on this topic, I, I don't know if this is something yeah. that, that is even, you know, a, a topic that you've talked about. But why, why do you think that extroverts, like, are seen in such a positive light and introverts are, are kind of seen as, a, like, a mm. negative like a negative stigma with introverts. Like, why do you think that, because the, they're both necessary and they're not that, not only that they're unnecessary, yeah. but they're just people's behaviors. Like they're, they, I, I can't just change from being an introvert to an extrovert or vice versa. Like, why do you think we see extroverts in a certain like positive light? Like they light up and introverts, not so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, a few things are coming to mind, but one of them may just simply be, people know introverts may be uncomfortable talking with them and extroverts are easier to talk to and extroverts will ask you questions about yourself and want you to feel comfortable. Not that introverts are going out of their way to make you uncomfortable, but sometimes it's like pulling teeth talking to them where an introvert, you can just kind of let your guard down. You can expect things to be more lighthearted for the most part. And you don't have to really, let's say try as hard. Or guess, like I like to read people's facial expressions and introverts, that's very difficult. But I learned over time with hundreds of clients, a lot of them are just processing the information where extroverts do the facial expressions more. Yeah. So I'm definitely an extrovert. Um, My (laughs) wife is an introvert, but um, I tell you what, I have one of my good friends. She is an extrovert and us like i'm exhausted after like having a one-on-one conversation with her because both of us are just like going just balls to the wall yes oh. and, she, and she'll listen to us and just be like well, I, I don't know how like what are what you two are ridiculous and i'm like and the first time i had a good conversation where i'm like that's what it's like talking to me like that's crazy that's what it's like that's <laughs> oh i'm right. exhausted i'm mm-hmm. exhausted however the moment you like break that shell of an introvert and they're comfortable and they're in their, their zone. And like, that is such a good conversation. That is such a good conversation. Um, but, but, you know, a lot of the work, you know, some of the work that you do is with, you know, college age or, or, or students and, and people trying to like make it in this world and, and, and get to that next step. And, and I don't know if we're doing them service enough by like allowing them one to be themselves and two kind of helping them navigate about you know through what the you know their life is going to be so at that age and we're talking about teenagers to young adults like you're still growing you're still becoming a person you're still learning about yourself and then at the same time which people forget is like you're trying to make it in this world it's it's really difficult especially nowadays where everything is recorded everybody has social media like there's nothing secret anymore everyone's sharing everything and it's kind of like where do i go to my safe space um, like how the work that you do, how do we help? Cause I'm, you know, I'm a parent, my kids aren't that age yet, but you know, how as parents do we at least assist them in their, their confidence growing into the people they're the, the, the adults are going to be. Cause, cause I want to say this, like, I want to say this, like physically and emotionally, they are growing. Like people are growing to their bodies 
Like it's yes. like people have the growth spurts and you're like, I mean, and you're like, when, you know, when did you get this tall? Like people, like mm-hmm. women, of course, are growing into, you know, you know, some of them are, are developing places that they were like, I had no idea this would happen. And now they're getting people looking at them and they're oh. not, they're not really sure about that. Yeah. So how do we work with our, our high schoolers and college kids to let them know that we want to set them up for success, but we want mm-hmm. them to learn on their own too. Like how, how does that work? Well, number one, I would say is kind of back to the idea of showing vulnerability so show your kids you're not perfect so they don't feel the need to be perfect because that's a lot of pressure to put on someone, especially your eldest kids or excuse me, your eldest um, first child. That's a lot. Even if the first child's a male, then the first girl, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. Um, reminding them social media is fake. Truly reminding them the girls lips are not that big. They're they're not that makeup. This is, this is all news. This is news to <laughs> right? me. This is I never. Wait a second. Wait a second. This is all news to me. I apologize. But, but parents know that, but kids don't. That's what they grew up in. They grew up with the Kardashians. They think that's totally normal, and and it's not. So even if it means uh, monitoring your chil- your children's social media use, or maybe even showing them what a real natural person looks like, and I don't mean to dog people who. Um, I mean, it sounds like I am who do, um, what are they called? Influencers. Is that where you're aren't natural, aren't natural. I was trying to be, I was trying to be, uh, yeah, (laughs) influencers, but actually that's the scary part that they are influencing. (laughs) That's the trouble. So reminding them, Hey, everything you see online is not real. Um, or even in person, I remember being in a college class. This is just, I just want to say this real quick. I remember being in a college class and I was listening to these guys next to me. And the one guy was like, I just want a natural girl like Kim Kardashian. I just want a natural. I fell over in my seat laughing. I'm not even exaggerating. I fell out of my seat because I could not believe this person in their 20s was thinking this way. But that's, I mean, that that's what's scary. So Reminding your kids like, hey, <laughs> be be aware. And I forget what else I was going to say. So, <laughs> I mean, everything after a natural girl like Kim Kardashian, I think, is just. Uh... <laughs> just so oh, wow. funny. Just so, just so funny. That is, I mean, you know, for for a dad trying to raise two girls in the society and and. One's about to be 10 tomorrow. We're, we're recording this show in, you know, the beginning of December and the other one, you know, 15 months younger. It's, it is a full-time job trying to just have them be themselves and just grow up. It's a full-time job. Uh, one is just addicted to like YouTube influencers and like, oh, I want um, these shoes and these shorts and this. And it's like, when, like, I, w- I just want you to be you. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I want you to be happy. Like, I, I remember doing the same thing when I was younger. And like, I mean, there's a reason old photos have us, you know, uh, tight rolling our jeans. Like, there's a reason all of us did that. Like, we, n- not, we, d- none of us did that on our own, like individually. Like, that was, there's a reason we all, tight <laughs> that was- yes, we don't talk about it. <laughs> We don't talk about it, but there's a reason we did it. Um, we saw other people doing it and we want to fit in. Like, I understand that part. But then you kind of see 
you know, again, we're getting back to the work that you do. We see people losing hours of their day, days of their week, weeks of their year, trying to continuously fit in, continuously be a person who they're, they're not. And I believe, I want you to kind of talk about this. I believe a lot of it has to do with not only not setting correct boundaries, but never learning or never understanding that your boundaries are important. Like, it's almost as if, like, if everyone in the world set the boundaries that they should, like, a lot of the work we do would, would, would go away because we wouldn't have people talking about time management or about work-life balance or about, you know. So in the work that you do, how much of it is, like, boundary setting with people? Ninety percent, if not more. Like, yeah, you're you're so right. It went. <laughs> Am I dramatic? <laughs> Am I yeah. the drama? Am I? <laughs> yeah. It's it's so true. Boundaries on your time. Boundaries on your relationships with family and friends. Boundaries at work. Just. Or even self-discipline, boundaries with your food, boundaries with your finances. These, I think when people think boundaries, uh, sometimes they just think of one area of life, but they forget that this spreads everywhere. It, it's just one of those things where, you know, I would love to know, like, who is, I, I know the people you work with are not, it's not a monolith, but I would love to know, like, who is the person that that comes to you you know, without a referral, like who's that person that's looking and sees you and it's like, I need to work with Annie. Like, I don't want to call them broken. I never want to call anybody broken, but mm -hmm. there has to be a certain person that, that comes to you and is like, Annie, I need this, this, and this. And I believe you can help me. Like, who is that person? Sometimes it's actually a person who's like, I don't know what I don't know. I'm just not happy. I don't know what it is. I, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. And the other person is uh, potentially, I've been struggling with this for years. I don't, I don't know why. I, I'm up and down, up and down. The other thing that happened is the pandemic. So some people were like, hey, I was coping okay before, but everything that worried me is now exasperated. And these past two years have really knocked me off my game. How do I get back on track? So, um, and I really like the phrase of getting back on track because that's a person who I already know have a bit of confidence and hopefulness as opposed to I'm a mess. I'll always be a mess. My parents were a mess. Like, all right, let's clean up the mess. Like we can, but let's start talking about it differently as well. Cause if you're always calling yourself a mess, well, Mm. Look, look at you <laughs> talking about how positive affirmations and self-talk affect people. Like, I, I no, like that's, that's. Are you that. shocked? <laughs> and people like <laughs> a lot of the time. And you know, I've done uh, over a hundred of these shows and over a hundred fifty others. So I've talked to a lot of people, and it's amazing if you deal with anybody in a type of wellness you know, profession, whether that be a physical trainer, whether that be a therapist, whether that be a coach, whether that be a mentor or public, whoever you talk to, it always comes down to a couple things. And one of the things is, well, 
if you expect this out of other people, are you doing it for yourself? And like, and that, that is, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to like make everything so basic as to, you can just start by that, but it's, it's a place that you, people can come to you and do a hundred hours of work. They can work with you two, three, whatever it is. And at the end of that, if they come out of there and like, oh, I feel so much better. This person did this for me. This person did that for me. But, ah, oh, man, I'm such an idiot for doing And you're like, wait, 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 wait a second. I mean, how we, I mean, you brought it up. Like our boundaries, one of those boundaries is, is our boundaries with ourselves. So how does, like, that is a, that's probably one of the hardest things that someone has to do. How you're on the outside looking in, how do you assist that person to start seeing themselves through a different light? I, sometimes something that really helped me is one day I said something like that. This was a few years ago. I said something like, oh, I'm an idiot, right? And a person, um, I had a gal pal in the room with me and she turned to me and she said, don't talk about my friend like that. I was like, oh, you, you just blew my mind. You're so right. You're so right. I would never talk to a friend like that. So why am I saying this to, to myself? That's why am I being my own worst enemy? And, and it's sad because a lot of people are. The other thing that changed the game for me was studying neuro-linguistic programming. So neuro meaning the brain, linguistic meaning your, your language, and programming understanding the idea that everything we say and hear is being programmed, which is something I teach parents about a lot to remind them those little ears are listening. They are listening. That's why we have to be mature and apologize to our significant other, or that's why we shouldn't be raising our voice because of course your kid's going to scream when they're angry because they just saw you scream. It's, that's just an example. That's just an example. I, no, I, and I, I even apologize to everybody for kind of the pause because like when you're saying things like that, I'm just, you know, you play things back in your head and, um, I know, and this is, I want people to understand this and, and, and Annie probably, feel, probably feels the same way is like when people are saying these things out loud and like you go back in your head and you're like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is not to go back and beat yourself up about things you cannot change right now. Um, and I'm saying that because that was something I had to work through for so many years where even in therapy, it would be, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, and, and let's try this. And it's like, oh man, I did that like two years ago. And why did, oh man. And it's like, wait a second. Like that's not, that is not the point for you to go beat yourself up about something yeah. two years ago. Um, and I'm sure people like, the people you work with, let's be honest, they have trauma. They have trauma in their lives, in their past, mm -hmm. that you have to help them work through. And some people work through it quicker than others. Some people work through it better than others. But at the end of the day, like, like people have to acknowledge that they have that trauma. Is that, I mean, is that one thing that, that it, it, do you, would you say it is once you get working in your program that it's, it gets easier for someone to, to, locate and understand that trauma or is it still like an ongoing thing that people have an issue you know just just working on or accepting that's a, mm. that's a bet like do people have an issue accepting that trauma that's i love how you use the word acceptance so what i do 
in the very beginning of working with people is share the difference between coaching and therapy. So I'll say to them, listen, therapy is about coping with the present and you're spending a lot of time in the past. You are unpacking the past. You keep asking yourself why. In coaching, we are normalizing everything and all we're focusing on is the future. I understand your parents suffered from alcoholism. I'm not discounting that that played in a, a role in your childhood. I never will. But the past is the past is the past. What are we doing about it now? Now you are not a seven-year-old watching your mom pass out. Now you are not in this abusive household. Um, now you don't have teachers telling you you're stupid. So what are you going to do now? And I just set that foundation with them. I have some clients who went to therapy for 10 years before working with me and got zero progress, if not was feeling more shame. And then they work with a coach who says, who validates, right? Like I truly, I, to, <laughs> my mom tries to say that childhood doesn't affect an adult, <laughs> that it happened in the past and that will forever blow my mind, right? So I never discount clients. But what I do share is that a little bit of tough love of thank you for the background. What's the next thing? Like I'll share in the first meeting. If we go into a story about your past that lasts more than two minutes, I will gently stop you and ask, what did you learn from this? Because that's literally all that matters unless you bring me a time machine. I just say it first thing. And I, um, and I think I've only had one or two clients that was like, I need to process trauma. I can't do coaching right now. And I really respect them for being honest with themselves because um, I think that's something that worries me a little bit about coaching is coaches try to unpack trauma when it's not our place, ethically. Um, especially if you're board certified like I am, you should, those are clear boundaries. So Trauma may come up because there, you're, just as you mentioned, a lot of us have experienced trauma, but also we are not sitting in that. And yeah, and I think that I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people, including myself, I've, I've fallen to this in the past where I've kind of just sat in that trauma. And here, I, listen, I'm not, when I use that word for me, like at no point I had, was I abused? Did I have a bad upbringing? Nothing like that. There was some, some things that I look back on and you're like, okay, I, I understand why I do those things now. Like I understand why I do those. Um, and if people, if you, if you know me well enough, you know, I have a, a twin brother, which I compared myself to for the longest time. And I had to get out of that comparison cycle. And I, I had to do it. Like I had to work on that. And, and I have not looked back. It's been the, one of the best things I've ever done. And, um, but the thing about it is that, you know, the people listening right now are, are like I, we mentioned before the show, we talked our, our parents, they are, you know, breadwinners. They, they're responsible for the bills. They're responsible for the house. They're responsible for feeding children. They're responsible for their after they're responsible <laughs> for so many things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, which I haven't mentioned yet, they're responsible for their own well-being. Like I, I didn't mention that in all the things I just said, go back and I didn't mention that. And we can't do any of those other things without taking care of ourselves. So in the people you work with, I'm sure some of them are 
high-ranking officials in their companies. I'm sure some of them are entrepreneurs. Some of them are directors. I'm sure some of them have so many responsibilities, but they forget that they have to take care of themselves, and they put that to the back burner. So how do you make that paradigm shift with someone? Because again, like I mentioned before, you can't do it. You're the coach. You can't do it. How do you get somebody to kind of move that needle to be like, oh, there's a reason why I've gained 40 pounds and I have acne and I feel terrible, but my kids are thriving. Kids are are doing great. Kids are thriving. Right. Um, They have the latest iPads. Yeah, they're great. They're awesome. Haven't really seen them in a couple weeks, but they're Mm. doing great. And I feel like absolute dog water. Like, how do you help them start making that shift in their lives? Um, So I'll use one of the first things I'll use. and, And some people have heard this quote, but you can't pour from an empty cup. So... What are we doing here? Do you have an empty cup? And a lot of people are like, yeah, I have an empty cup. I pour it into my kids or my partner or my boss every day. Okay, well, um, awesome. We're on the same page. This this is not to shame you. I'm only here to empower you. But I'm not giving you toxic positivity, which I think also separates me from some of the people in the mental health field is I just want to be real with you because you deserve, I respect you enough to tell you the truth. So asking the question such as like, are you pouring? Are you trying to pour from an empty cup? And then asking them, what would life look like if you were feeling better? Does that mean five minutes of silence in the beginning of the day? Does that mean, um, and some people may laugh hysterically, but it's like, does that mean getting a massage once a month or once every two months? And sometimes people bring up finances But in the same sentence that they got their kid the latest phone or the latest iPad or um, another shopping spree. And I I understand wanting your kids to have it better than you did growing up. That's a beautiful thing. But also at what expense? So I'm not saying you have to get your hair and nails done every other week or I don't know. Go to brunch As you can tell, with gal pals. I, I don't get my I don't get my hair done. <laughs> right, you spend all. a I fortune. Mean, <laughs> or um, I don't know. This is kind of sexist, but like guys, you don't need the latest. I, I'm not saying you need to golf every Sunday for you to have oh, alone there, time. There, here we go. Here do you, we do. Go. You love my sexist she, behavior? She, she, uh, absolutely. You know what? This show is over. I can't count <laughs> this on it. No, but you know, I don't believe it's it's it's. So I am, I go to the gym. Like that's where a time out of my house is spent is at the gym. Um, I, I try not to do it when like my house is full. Like it's not daddy's going to the gym. See you in two hours. Like I, I don't want to do that. Usually it's a time where either I'm the only one awake or there's someone, there's something else going on. Um, but you, you're, I think we're going to piss some people off, mainly men because um, I, and I can say this because I am a man and, and I can I, I, I'm going to speak to every one of us right now. No, I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> like so. When we talk about the let's let's circle this all back and go back to okay. the confidence. Let, let's go back to the confidence, because I think that that is a great place to, to, to do this, is that one of the things you brought up was the the anxiousness or nervousness of, of women speaking up in a 
mostly male-dominated industry or meeting or whatever. Like, that is... That's something that happens. Like, we can all agree that's something that happens. If you're on listening to the show, like, no, that doesn't happen anymore. Like, you're wrong. It's not an opinion. It's not my... You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, what we don't want to do is stop there. Like, we don't want to say that and just kind of stop and put the onus on, like, either the woman to just break out of her shell or the men to be totally inclusive. Like, we don't want to stop there because then we have to understand that there are places in this world where men lack confidence, too. And men want help with time management. And men want help with uh, saying no to their children or setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. But it's a different mindset because it's almost expected out of men and not expected out of women. So I'm not saying one takes away from the other, but they're both places where we both have cups. We're just pouring differently into them. And I think a lot of people don't understand that because... We just want to say, oh, you're, you're, you're a man. You should, you should just know this. Or you're a woman. The, world, the, the world's built for you now. Do anything. You can do anything you want. It's like, no. Like, let's stop. Let's stop with that. Let, let's just have everybody be their own unique individual and help mm. them with what they need help with. Um, and I, I know that I'm not the guest. I apologize, but I just no. you, you brought up so many. I mean, it was your sexism. Let's be honest. It was your sexism. Totally, it was a bit of a trigger. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm really glad you did bring up men because I, I should have said this before. Even though we just said like, don't worry about the sexes. I am glad we talked about men because I will say, and this, this really breaks my heart. Some men are coming to me just about communication and confidence because of their partner or because of the world telling them to man up. So especially my clients from different cultures. So um, for example, I have a Latino man who said his wife makes fun of him if he cries. So he just shuts down. He doesn't have conversations. And he says it also upsets him because now his son will only show anger and no other emotion. So it is, you're so right. There's just different pressures. That, I mean, that saddens me. Yeah. Because we've spoken about, or you, you mentioned about the, the behaviors that parents show and being vulnerable, saying, I'm sorry, you know, setting boundaries, things like that. And, and kids retain that. Kids, kids learn that. And, you know, I, I think about those things every day when I, when I interact with my kids and, and when I show emotion and when I, you know, get upset about something and, and it's like, man, they're learning directly from me right now, especially at these ages, they're learning directly from me. And to that point, you mentioned the person who is always providing for their children, working every hour they can, pouring from that empty cup that child is going to think that's how you parent. Yeah. It's that so true. Is, yeah. It, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking because it's like you have a heart and a brain, you have emotions and feelings like things aren't always like perfect and people need to understand that that's okay. So yeah, especially around the holidays, yeah. especially oh, around the holidays, uh, like your kid's going to remember your tradition more than that present that you bought you for the most part. 
They're not going to remember the fifty presidents. <laughs> people need people need to un, people need to hear that more often. Like they're gonna they're gonna remember how the family felt, the dynamic, what you guys did, the banter mm-hmm. at the table. They're gonna remember all that, other than the squishmallow that you got them. I think that's what they call my daughter. I was like, I think they are too. Those those uh, pillows that are oh, yes. little creatures or whatever yes. they are. She, yeah, she, lo- she loves them. But you're absolutely right. And and if we change that focus to to that, if we change the focus, oh, this is a good question for because I, okay. I know I know. Let's hear. If a, if a, if a person is is hearing this, or even in a conversation with you, or in a a session or work session with you, or and they start to understand that the focus should change from not the tangible, but to the actual moment. Like, is that, is that the breakthrough we're all looking for? Is that, cause a lot of the times we're, we're we, if we talk about work, we're talking about our position and the money we make. Uh, and a lot of times we're talking about the money we make over other people, regardless, you know, that's totally, that's yeah. really what matters, <laughs> right? That's really what matters. Just that you make like, more yeah. than your neighbor and your brother-in-law, exactly. not so much. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. If we're, if we're in a household, a lot of times you're thinking about keeping up with the Joneses rather than just focusing on what's in our own household. Mm. And a lot of times we're thinking about, is my, t- is my kid going to make this team rather than this team? Like, uh. and then you talk about growing up, we talk about, am I going to make this grade versus am I actually retaining the information? So how do we get to that paradigm shift? How do we get people to actually live in the moment, live in the relationships versus always focusing on the tangible item that they believe represents who they are? Mm. Something that's coming to mind is allowing people to look at the end game. So I don't know if I'm answering this perfectly, but this is just on my mind. So I want to say it out loud is um, as you're mentioning the pressure of like the team or whatever it may be. So especially for kids in high school, sharing with the parents, I know you want what's best for them. I totally get it. Of course, that's what makes you a good parent. But is putting all this pressure on them worth them having a nervous breakdown their freshman year in college and then quitting college completely? And it was so important for you for them to go to college. So looking at the long game, um, is is you being the parent who screams at your kid during the soccer game because they missed a goal, what is that going to look like long term? Now they or um, they lost the game and you're the one like throwing a fit. Now you're teaching your kid if you lose, life is over. Same with watching like a football game. And you're freaking out and you throw the remote across the room and then you're like, why does my kid throw his iPad? I don't understand. Why can't they show their emotions? Like, well, they literally just saw you do it like yesterday. That's why. Same with cursing, right? Even though I curse, so I'm not judging. But where did they learn that word? Well, like, and maybe it's school, right? Maybe it's a movie or online. But, um, and again, I don't remember the original question. So here I am just... <laughs> No, just you're, my own agenda. Yes. No, but you're, but you're absolutely again. You're absolutely right. Like we can um, bring this down. Like it, it's so funny how the, your mother thinks that childhood has nothing to do with. That's, no, that's like I'm, like I'm, I'm listening to all this. And I'm like you get it so well. Like you understand it. Um, but 
It's it's absolutely correct. And, and I'm going to say something that I know a lot of people will not like before because I am a coach. Uh, I'm not coaching you since I'm, I coach youth sports and all that stuff and and do one on one. And Mike, both my kids know like these games mean nothing. Like if people are like, oh, why would you tell them that? Why would you? I was like, listen, there is so much pressure on them already. Like, I want them to know that at the beginning of the game, end of the game, rather you win it, lose it, whatever, guess what? Nothing happens. Nothing happens. If you get better by the end of the season, that is great. That is awesome. Let's let's move forward. But if you come to me at the end of the season and you're like, ah, no, it is what it is. Like, great. Let's find something that you like. Um, there is, we the, the the amount of people quitting youth sports by 16 has never been this high. And that is data proven. That's not me just saying it. It's data proven. And when I go to some of these games and I see these parents like absolutely losing their shit. (laughs) And I don't listen, I don't want to bash. I don't want to bash these. I don't want to bash them because it is, I mean, it's, it's a personality trait and we need to work on that. Like, I understand that. Like you, you are, there is something in your past that you're like, my kid has to score this goal. My kid has to do like, no, your kid doesn't like you're literally, you, you have to be a parent. That's all, that's all that matters. Um, and the reason I, I bring this up is because, um, there's a big difference between me and my wife on the sidelines. Like she has gung ho, like go at it, go at it. And I'm just like, ah, eh, it is what it is. And I would love this for all parents. And is that after every game, my oldest daughter who plays goalkeeper and she plays basketball after every game, she literally skips off the field. She literally skips off the field. Like she could let in eight goals. She could let in one. She could win. She could lose. Mm-hmm. I watch her after every game, and she literally skips over to the coach. She's <laughs> in the line and ready to go. Right. And after the game, yeah. But it wasn't always like that. Like I was the dad. Of course, I played in college, and I, I've done it before. Like I was a dad right after the game that wanted to talk to her about technical stuff. Uh, how can we get better next time? How, so, yeah. so I, I, I know I noticed that, and it's like, Mark, what are you doing? Like. <laughs> She is nine. And, and so right. finally, after every game, I make sure that I just tell her, great job. Like, after the great job, give her a high five, a hug. We don't talk about soccer until she brings it up. Until she wants to bring it up. Daddy, did you see this? Oh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But I've noticed it's really, and she now says, she said it today because she has a basketball game tomorrow. She's like, Daddy, and I know this game doesn't mean anything. I was like, you're absolutely right. She's like, it doesn't care. We don't care if we win or lose. Like, we're just going to go out there and have fun and try to learn. I was like, whose child is this? Like, who is, who is, <laughs> who's this prophet? Who's this amazing? I, I, I need to drop you off somewhere because you're not mine. Like, <laughs> whose kid? But, I, again, I'm not the guest, but I wanted, as we kind of come to the end here, I wanted you to kind of, I wanted you to leave people with some information because okay. at the end of the day, I think most of us are trying to just be better versions of ourselves, the best versions of ourselves. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think we're all trying to get better with time management. We're all trying to be more confident. We all want to put our best foot forward. Mm -hmm. But every one of us does need some sort of help. I want you to talk to people about how we can ask for help. I'm not saying everybody go to Annie. She would love, I'm sure she would love the business. I'm sure she would, <laughs> but, uh, or maybe you would, I don't know. I'm talking for you. I <laughs> um, but 
I could sit here and ask you, be like, hey, tell people how to be confident or tell people how to use time management. I could t- give three tips on how to do this. I could, I could easily ask you that. But I want you to, t- to, to explain to people why it is so important and how they should be able to ask for help. Yeah, why that's that? great. Like, why is that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you say that because I tell, and maybe this doesn't make me the great businesswoman, but I tell people all the time, you don't have to hire me. It's not even about that. There's so much free content out there to help. Any forward movement is forward movement. It's good to be good, but it's great to be great. So it is fine that you're barely hanging on. Any step towards the future is an absolutely beautiful thing. So for example, we were, um, I don't think we were on air yet, but you mentioned the idea of these episodes are like 35, 45 minutes. That's what people usually can digest. Well, if they, you know, if they stop, that's fine. Re-listen to it. And that's, uh, that's something I say to my clients. Like, okay, you say you don't have time to read a book, listen to an audiobook. Okay. You say you can't concentrate, but what if you get 1% from that audiobook? What if you learned one phrase that just changed? Like my gal pal saying to me, don't talk to my friend that way. That changed everything. That one second just... So um, remember the idea of, hey, you didn't gain 20 pounds overweight. You're not going to lose 20 pounds overnight. So, or did I just say that right? Just the idea of... (laughs) Just the idea of take it easy. Be kind to yourself. You don't have to change overnight. And that's actually... Um, should relieve pressure. Make the eye contact. Look up from your phone. Ask a question in the meeting, even if you think you're... There's so many times I've asked questions in meetings and people have privately told me after, I'm so glad you asked that. I didn't know it and I was too scared to ask. And I'm like, I'm so fine being the sacrificial lamb. But I want to also empower you to, to do that as well. That is That is so... That's so great because I think... One one thing, if there's anything you've learned, people should learn from this, is like once you take that step and actually outside your comfort zone or, or make that eye contact or smile, like the world doesn't blow up. Like the world, like the world doesn't. Yeah. Like, like, like what, what, why did World War One start? Oh, introvert tried to make small talk. That's why. Like, no, like absolutely not. Like. Right. Your day, your day goes on. Like if you take five minutes at work to, to do wellness or whatever, like you're job's not going to go under like they oh we're in the red now like damn it we can't can't make the bonuses this year because mark decided to take five minutes for a wellness break right so and i also have them do that i i do a rabbit hole with them mm -hmm. i'm like all right let's do the what if game what if you did embarrass yourself in the meeting did they take your paycheck away are you getting fired on the spot did they take away your health benefits no no they didn't actually so because people really think that people really think the end all yeah. be all if they just step out of their cup, they really they in their mind. And that might be trauma induced. Let's be honest. Again, it might be trauma induced. It might be because of something in childhood. It might be something that happened last week. Yeah. It might be something they saw on it. Like, it's just people, people retain stuff. So mm-hmm. and they might have gotten it from, you know, oh, this in, in 12th grade, I spoke out of line in school and my teacher, you know, really he rated me. me totally. He rated me. And now I just keep my mouth shut. 
So, um, yeah, well, sports is a great example. Like I messed up and then my dad or the coach screamed at me or my mom screamed at me and embarrassed me. I can mm-hmm. never mess up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Don't, let's great. not leave that's on that. Show. <laughs> that's a show in itself. Oh my goodness. That's a show in itself. But, uh, Annie, this has been amazing. Great. I appreciate your energy. How can people learn more about you online? How can they follow you online or how can you just get some more information about what you do? I would honestly just go right to my website. I'm not a social media person. I actually just hired someone to take it over because I don't want anything to do with it. So my website is probably the best. It's called delegation, people. Totally. Delegate <laughs> that. It's, I don't know if we needed all that, to be honest <laughs> with you, but uh, we'll, we'll go for that. Um, no, honestly, guys... Um, you can stop the show right now and go over to the show notes to see her website. Or I could tell you right now, it's AnnieDelRay.com. Her name is Annie Delray. It's AnnieDelRay.com. What do you know? That's how that works. Um, and you can log on to that to get free confidence and a clarity call that she offers. So, um, Annie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the work that you're doing. Hopefully one day you will uh, come back and we'll have another conversation. I think there's a lot more to talk about. Um, but other than that, thank you. If I don't talk to you, have a happy holidays, a happy new year, and take care of yourself, okay? Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Again, I'm your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AM Run to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.